Welcome to the Visegrad Insight Podcast on Central Europe, from Central Europe. My name is Quincy Krut, I'm Managing Editor of Visegrad Insight, and I'm here with Wojciech Przybylski. Last week on Visegrad Insight, Philipp Fritz, the world correspondent from Germany, wrote an insightful piece on Germany and its security interests, in particular reference to Central and Eastern Europe. The debate on Germany and security interests is only really starting to gain some traction in Germany now. Wojciech, so Philipp Fritz essentially argued that Germany is Central and Eastern Europe's best friend. How should we see that from this week's visit of Polish President Andrzej Duda to the United States? That's a very good question. Uh, on on one hand, we have a visit of an incumbent president just four days af- before the vote uh, actually takes place um, as an unprecedented move, both in Polish politics and American political culture to endorse um, a foreign leader in that way. Although under, under President uh, Trump, we have seen that already with Boris Johnson before and and maybe you could find some, some other examples from, from the past. Yeah. Definitely another um, uh, impulse uh, for a discussion on security in this part of Europe or Europe overall. Uh, this visit um, is preceded by announcement of Donald Trump administration to pull out some of the troops from Germany with immediate response from the Polish administration that some of those troops to be withdrawn, on the other hand, which may account to up to 10,000 soldiers, should be relocated as part of the Fort Trump, uh, a slogan coined uh, by President Duda uh, during his earlier visit to United States and Donald Trump to lure um, Donald Trump mind into into this um, into the setting of, uh, of of relocation of some of U.S. forces on Polish territory, which was a, a very long for a very long time, long before PIS government, a strategic ambition of of political elites in in Poland in order to secure uh, the, the the future of security here. But at the same time, we have a quite a vibrant discussion in Germany on the future of security. And in exactly in Philipp uh, Fritz's piece, there is, there is this reckoning and kind of hinting the, towards German awareness that Central Eastern Europe is in fact their most precious strategic asset vis-a-vis any potential threats coming from the East. Yes, I see that. But how how realistic, for example, is it that something like Fort Trump will actually come into existence? If you look at John Bolton's uh, recently, or well, about to be published book, he was very skeptical of the whole idea. And also, as you pointed out, uh, just a couple of days before the election, it sounds like an easy, an easy gamble, but uh, something that may not actually materialize. Well, I would say that uh, security requires stability. Decision of Donald Trump during electoral race, uh, both in Poland and also actually a race taking place in the United States, dictated by political motives, not strategic consideration. In any case, this politician has not been very 
much showing uh, there is uh, some sort of strategy guiding him uh, is putting any move of of that sort even if we hope to gain some some strategic uh, benefits um, on in a, in a risky circumstances so we already see some initiative or counter initiative from democrats on the hill which overall is much more damaging for uh, the feeling of security in Poland. Um, and then, yes, in the, in the Polish electoral cycle, um, visit taking place just four days ahead, and then most likely a second round of the presidential election taking, part, taking place two weeks after, it may play out really differently. It, the Fort Trump idea might, might have had much higher expectation than what can be delivered. And at the price uh, that during COVID-19 will be difficult to accept. And yet, most likely, Poland will take it um, because uh, very much under this government and this president, Poland has been putting all the eggs in one basket uh, rather than diversifying strategic and security interests. So let's turn maybe a little bit more to the question of the first round of the presidential election. So as you point out, Fort Trump and this visit has a high symbolic power, but there might also be a couple of other issues which will weigh more. Now, if you look at Andrzej Duda, um, the incumbent and then um, frontrunner still of the race, well, in the last uh, couple of weeks, he's also focused a lot on Chaskovsky, on the issue of LGBT. Um, I'm just wondering what is going to weigh a bit more in, in the actual debate, like what is going to sway voters uh, in the upcoming days? Well, we have uh, strong political camps accumulated around emotions, political emotions gathered around Andrzej Duda and now with Chaskowski camp gaining and the whole opposition counting, counted in, uh, they seem to be equally split um, in, in uh, predictions, in on opinion polls, you can say, that Andrzej Duda and Rafał Czeskowski uh, can consolidate much of uh, Polish public opinion with declared turnout uh, to be higher. The expectation for the turnout, of course, will be higher um, than in previous elections, despite COVID, despite the pandemic. Um, and all of that signals that uh, stakes are high for both the polarization uh, mobilizes people on, on both sides. And when you look at the tendency, now very close to the vote, it won't change much, but but still you can see a tendency of Rafał Czaskowski, oppositional candidate, now the leading among the oppositional candidates, is slowly getting, getting gaining ground and getting more uh, percentage. While um, Andrzej Duda is is uh, getting less in percentage, but that also means that he's not losing voters. So voters overall as a number is staying more or less the same, but people feel they need to participate and that overall gives a, a lower percentage of, um, of population supporting Andrzej Duda and overall PIS. And yes, and this electoral dynamic seems to be dramatic, in fact, especially from the point of view of the government, which 
started to take a defensive position uh, ahead of the first round, they've been, you would say, even hysterical about what to communicate, how to communicate, and then how to pull out. Uh, they've they've put a lot of negative campaigning, uh, and not by proxies, but speaking straightforwardly from from the position of incumbent president, which is not very presidential uh, in the minds and in the in the in the eyes of of many of the commentators, even from the mildly conservative side. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does feel a bit like trench warfare. Now, you remember, um, we spoke some weeks ago already on the presidential election and then sort of the prospects of, of Chaskowski. I'm wondering a bit, given sort of how the cards are being uh, shaken today, what has been sort of the, the success recipe for Chaskowski in comparison, for example, to Kidava Bwanska? What has he managed to do in the last couple of weeks in a way to really become the main contender? Um, is it only because he's in a way representing the, the biggest opposition party or, or has some of his messages actually been effective? I would say that we see a very important change in party politics overall. Although presidential election is not about parties, in this case, it's very important. It's very important because, first of all, Andrzej Duda has aligned with the government in an unprecedented way uh, compared to all the previous election. President was never so much partisan in the sense of line, aligning and relating to the government, actually siding with the government today. On the other side, um, when we look at uh, Rafał Czaskowski, he's the representative of a new generation that very, very early this year uh, took over power within the party, within the civ civic platform. He is also um, the politician with, I would say, the, the biggest experience among that group, among this generation, uh, serving as a deputy minister, minister, MEP, uh, now mayor of, of Warsaw, um, a senior of, of those. And actually, with 48 years old, this is the oldest political candidate for the office of the president of Poland. Now, um, what is different between him and the previous candidate of the same party, apart from generational change, is willingness to polarize uh, at the very beginning, he was very openly critical towards the government's TV, uh, announcing the end of this TV if he win wins. And also, uh, he declared not giving a pardon to people he, he must assume would be convicted in, in the future, which is a bit of a, you know, definitely a populist move but working and uh, become making him much more um, sharper, let's say, in, in political communication. At the same time, for a number of days and weeks that we see him in the campaign, he is showing himself as a, a president of compromise, seeking and reaching out uh, across um, lines and party lines and, and different geographical lines as well. So he's embracing, um, he's, he's trying to reach to the, to the base of, to some extent of his adversary, saying he will defend even some of the policies this government 
has accomplished. This is a completely uh, 180 degree change for the party and for a, a party candidate, uh, Rafał Czaskowski, for, for the president office. Because earlier the party elders and leadership put itself in the boots of so-called total opposition. Rafał Czeskowski even goes as far as to say he's he's not going to be total opposition, trying to relate in a negative way, way to this uh, to this branding. Political marketing aside, which sees this move in different ways, that is indeed a novelty and it's a it's a different strategy of the opposition overall not to look too much to the back, but accept the political realities as they are and move forward. Previous candidate wanted to boycott unfair elections. We can definitely say this electoral race because of the government is also uneven. There are many unfair practices, yet the new candidate is willing to accept this and uh, pick a fight on the turf he was, uh, he was given. Download Civil Society Futures Scenarios for Central Europe report from visegradinside.eu. Also, subscribe to our weekly newsletter and follow us on Twitter for daily news. So with Rafał Czaskowski shooting up in the polls, where does that leave other candidates? Well, he's shooting up in the polls in relative terms. He's still at least 10 points behind the incumbent president. But indeed, he has captured most of the political emotions from the other candidates. Um, anyone behind him is 15% short or more. Um, and that is independent, Szymon Hołownia who otherwise would be a choice for many of Civic Platform, looking for a new breath, fresh breath, new generation as well, well uh, outspoken, giving clear messages, but not becoming very um, partisan in his communication. On the other hand, uh, Kosinia Kamesh, uh, another another member of, uh, of a party, leader of a of party. The peasants' party, yes. Peasants' party or PSL, uh, member of the European People's Party, so just like Civic Platform, he was projected, if entering the second round, to easily win with Duda, but um, he might not be making even at, at the third place in, in the contest. So um, these candidates are, are there. It's important, I guess, to mention also uh, the candidate of the left, um, Robert Biedroń, who basically disappeared. Now he tries to restart and reappear on the campaign. But that's, uh, that's very mildly uh, noticeable. And, and frankly, uh, a lot of this space has been taken up also by the leader of Confederacia, the right-wing libertarians, mm-hmm. um, who is only uh, demonstrating that the political force that entered with over one million votes, uh, Polish parliament last election last, last fall uh, is going to stay, and uh, and and um, and political force it represents should not be treated too lightly. 
This is very interesting, especially the last example you mentioned of Bosak, because he's also somebody who has been very critical on the issue of sort of how peace, how the current government is using state media also in 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 the run up to this election. So th- there is um, there is quite an interesting field, quite an interesting number of candidates. Uh, I'm just wondering well, with the potential of a, a second round and a runoff, uh, how easy it will be also for Chaskovsky potentially to to make use of, of these independent uh, votes, left votes, right votes. What what can we see potentially in, in a couple of weeks' time? Well, if we had a crystal ball here, no? Um, yeah, hard to say, really. Um it very much relates both to the Polish political culture and the society having a sense of what is at stake and whether people overall, regardless of political preference, want to have sort of a balance of power or they will be bought in by the messages of the government and incumbent Duda saying, well, we need unity in the government and not so much of checks and balances between different branches. Poland is semi-presidential republic. It's a democracy, a democratic system in which the president has a lot to say, well, when it comes to veto, and therefore he has a blocking power. Whether Poles are already wary of, of the current government to wave a yellow flag, that, that might be actually the big test. Um, in that sense, a presidential race here is much more important of a test for party politics. And I would expect much more dynamism after the votes are there um, on the on the level of the government, um, including uh, likely, not very likely, but something that is being speculated, early election mm, for the government to either Im- improve based on electoral uh, result of Andrzej Duda after a second term, or to limit any losses should uh, the president um, not make it or or show very, very um, disappointing numbers in the race. Well, in either case, Polish politics uh, is not going to be boring, not only for the next two weeks, but uh, clearly until the end of the, the year, um, uh, the minimum. And that, of course, is uh, not only Polish domestic affair. It is, as you clearly pointed out at the very beginning, in the context of a larger debate of US-European relations and the context of NATO. So I guess we'll be talking about it again. Yes, so hopefully we'll have the first answers soon on Sunday, but then uh, I'm sure we'll have another discussion then in the nearby future about uh, what is about to happen and the security implications. Thank you, Wojciech. Thank you very much. And that's all for now. Subscribe to our podcast, our weekly newsletter and daily Twitter feed for insights on Central Europe, from Central Europe.